Well, I want to say good morning, first of all, to all of you who are watching online and then especially to our wonderful people here. We are having a Sunday just basically for our volunteers, although word did get out, and I met a couple just a while ago from uh, a city not far from here, decided to join us today. So I want to just say, uh, first of all, we're just so glad that you're here. I was reminded of a, a good friend of mine. Some of you have heard of a guy named Zig Ziglar, great motivational speaker. And Jig was just a, just a great, great guy. And I remember he said something to me one time that was so funny. He said, you know, James, he said, I grew up in Mississippi, and we grew up in a very poor family. He said, I know what it is to have no money. I know what it is to have a lot of money. And I can tell you all things equal, it's better to have a lot of money. Now, I know what it is to have nobody in the room. I know what it is to have somebody in the room, and I can tell you it's better to have somebody in the room. So give yourself a hand for being here today. It really is great to see you. Now, let, let me just say a couple of things before we get started. First of all, uh, to those of you who are watching online, next week at our 915 service, we're opening up for business. We'd love to have you come. We've got plenty of room. We're going to social distance. We're asking people to wear masks. We are taking every precaution that we possibly can to make this as great an environment, as clean as an environment as it possibly can be. Right now, we're not uh, offering anything for the next gen. We're just kind of getting our legs under us slowly. But in the next few weeks, we're planning on opening up for our next generation as well. But we'd invite you and your family to come. If you feel comfortable to come, we would invite you to do it. On the other hand, I want to emphasize again, if for whatever the reason you have a pre-existing condition, you're elderly, or you're in a particular demographic that's more susceptible and you just don't feel comfortable, we get it. We understand it. I never thought I would ever say don't come, but I'm, I'm really telling you, don't come. Don't feel like you have to come. Just continue to watch us online. For those of you in the room, this is going to be a different experience because here's where we are. We have moved from Radio Shack to Amazon, and, and I'm not being funny when I say that. It's a different day. It's a different age. I don't know what the new normal is going to be. It is not going to be the old normal, but God's still on the throne. We're excited about preaching the Word, and it's going to be a great, great day today. So because we've got literally thousands of people that are watching us online, I will be focusing more on the camera than I normally do, and I don't like to do that. I like to engage in people, but I just want you to know why we're doing what we are doing. We're picking up, we actually were in a series that we were doing in Colossians that uh, we're going to reintroduce today. I've got about three or four messages I want to finish up. And uh, so uh, if you have God's Word, I want to turn to it. We're in the book of Colossians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, chapter 3. And uh, I, want to, uh, the, I want you to hear two words today. I'm going to say it over and over and over and over and over. And those words are aim high. I uh, saw a movie, some of you may have seen it, it was a fascinating movie, a true story, it was called American Sniper. I don't know if you saw it or not, but it's really a great movie about the greatest sniper that the American military has ever produced. Well, I was reading about the Canadian military, and they confirmed a few years ago that a sniper with Canada's elite special forces crushed the world's record for the longest known kill shot. You got to hear this. They didn't name who the shooter was. But he killed a target in Iraq at a staggering distance of 2.2 miles. That takes incredible discipline and accuracy to be a long-range sniper. But what really fascinated me was the physics behind it because a lot of factors go into it. I just want to give you one. Just consider gravity. If you are a hunter, we've got some deer hunters I know in our church. If you're a hunter, you know this. At a distance of up to, say, 100 yards, a short distance, 
You can line up a target like a deer in your crosshairs or in your scope, and all factors being equal, you're going to hit what you aim at at 100 yards. You aim at the target, you hit the target. However, when you go beyond 100 yards, gravity begins to take over, and the bullet begins to drop. And gravity will change the trajectory of the bullet. So it's very simple. The longer the distance, the greater the drop. So what does a, a, a sniper have to do? He can't aim at the target. He will miss it. He has to aim above the target. Now, the distance between the target that you're aiming at and where you have to shoot the bullet is called elevation. So it's a very simple physical process. I'll show it to you sideways. So if you're at 100 yards, you aim here. But if you're at 2.2 miles, you aim here. You've got to take into account Elevation. Now, this is where this shot got really interested. Keith Cunningham, who was a former sniper with the United States military, he calculated that the elevation required to hit that target 2.2 miles away with a 50 caliber rifle would have been 150 yards. Here's what he said, I'm quoting. To do this, that is to hit this person 2.2 .2 miles away, you've got to pick a spot 150 yards above your target and aim at that. In other words, he said, when you're shooting at a target 2.2 miles away, you're not actually aiming at the target. You're aiming at the sky. Well, Cunningham said he had never heard of a rifle that could account for 150 yards of elevation. So he estimated that that shooter would have had to what he called hold over. That's a term for aiming over the target. He would have to hold over by another 77 yards on top of the 150 yards to adjust for elevation on the rifle. In other words, when this sniper made that kill shot from 2.2 miles away, he was actually aiming two over two football fields above the target. When I read that, I thought, what a great application to life. What a great application to the way we ought to live. See, every life ought to have a target. Your, your life ought to have a bullseye. You ought to have a goal. You ought to have an aim. As a matter of fact, I got to thinking, if you're a, a healthy individual, I would think you would want the following four things in your life. I want them for mine. I would assume you want them in yours. You want to live the best life that you can. You want to be the best person you can be. You want to have the best influence that you can have. And of course, after you're gone, you want to leave the best legacy that you can. I, I think anybody that's listening to me right now would say, yeah, I, I would like to have those four things in my life. Well, let me tell you how to pull that off. You got to aim high. You can't aim low. You can't aim straight, aim straight ahead. You've got to aim high. I am absolutely convinced of something. The reason why most people, most people will live a life of little influence, little consequence, little impact is because all of their life they aimed too low. There was a great American poet. His name was James Russell Lowell. He lived in the 19th century. If you're familiar with literature, he wrote some of the most famous lines ever written. And I want you to listen to what he wrote. This is so powerful. He said, life is a leaf of paper white, whereon each one of us may write his word or two, and then comes night. In other words, what he was saying was, life's short. You better write fast. 
greatly begin. Though thou have time, but for a line, be that sublime. Not failure, but low aim is a crime. I taught my three sons growing up, aim high. Guys, whatever else you do, don't do what most people do. Don't aim low, aim high. We should all aim high with the life that God has given us. But that raises a big question. So where should our aim be? What is the target? How high should we go? Well, in this series, we're calling the guardian of the galaxy. Let me tell you why I know the answer to that question. Because what Paul has been telling us in all four of these chapters is this. Jesus Christ is over all. Jesus Christ is above all. Jesus Christ is in all. Jesus Christ is for all. And in the third chapter of this book, Paul tells us where to aim, how to aim, how high to aim, and where that aim will take us. Listen to what he said. He said, since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. Let me ask you a question right now. Where's your heart right now? Just be honest. Where's your heart right now? He said, set your heart on things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds. Let me stop right now. Where's your mind right now? Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Now, you know, you read that at first, you think, man, Paul, you need to get your head out of the clouds, dude. I mean, we got a life to live down here. But Paul's really not talking about the metaphysical. He's not talking about the hypothetical. What he's talking about is very, very practical. So I want you to hear what I'm about to say. If you anything else, listen to this. The life that you're going to live the impact you're going to have, the importance you're going to have, the influence you're going to have is always going to be determined by two things. They will determine where you're aimed. They will determine your target. They will determine where your life is ultimately going to land. They will determine whether or not you're aimed at the right target or you're aimed at the wrong target. And both of them are in this passage. The two things that will determine how high you go in life is your heart and your mind. Tell me where your heart is. Tell me where your mind is. I'll tell you exactly where you're going. I'll tell you whether you're aimed too low. Or I'll tell you whether you're aimed so high. It will never, ever fail. Your life, how you live your life, how significant your life will be, will be determined by two things. Where do you put your affection, your heart? And where do you place your attention, your mind? So let me make it very simple. I'm going to make it real easy. You ready? What your heart loves the most and what your mind thinks about the most will determine the life that you live. If your heart is on making money and your mind is on how much you can accumulate in this world, that will determine the life that you live. If your heart is set on being popular, being well-liked, being accepted by everybody, never being contradicted, never being criticized because you take a stand for what's right. If that's where your heart and your mind is, that will determine the life that you live. So that raises the big question. So where should we be aiming every day? Because here's one thing we know is true. You aim at what you look at. Wherever you look at, that is exactly what you're aiming for. So the question is, how do you know that your life right now is aimed at the right target? 
And how do you know that it's aimed at the right altitude? Well, Paul tells us three things we ought to be aiming at every single day if our life is going to be what it ought to be. He says, first of all, we should look up at a risen Lord. We should look up at a risen Lord. Now, Paul begins with this incredible statement. When you first read it, you kind of scratch your head and go, what is he talking about? Listen to what Paul says. He says, since then, you have been raised with Christ. You've been raised with Christ. What does that mean? I mean, there are four things that separate Jesus, set Jesus apart from every other human being who's ever lived and ever will live. By the way, I'm a follower of Jesus. Make no bones about it. Made, became a follower when I was nine years old. And if you'd like to know, well, why are you a follower of Jesus? Why don't you follow Buddha? Why don't you follow Confucius? Why don't you follow Muhammad? Why don't you follow this? Why don't you follow that? There are four things that set Jesus Christ apart from every other person who has ever lived. His birth, he was born of a virgin. His life, he lived a perfect life. His death, he died for our sins. His resurrection, he came back from the dead. Now, it's that last fact that Paul is referring to. It is that last fact about Jesus that makes all the other facts not only true, but relevant. You see, Christianity is not just about a man who was born. It is not just about a man who lived. It is not just about a man who died. What Christianity is all about is about a man who came back from the dead. He was buried in a tomb, but he never needed a tombstone. He was buried in a grave, but we don't have a grave site because the grave's no longer needed. He died, but he came back from the dead before they could even publish his obituary. He is alive. Then Paul says this, though. We have been raised with Christ. What does that mean? Paul says right now, James, you have been raised with Christ. If you're a follower of Jesus, Paul is saying right now, you have been raised with Christ. What does that mean? Well, it obviously doesn't mean physically we're here right now. We've not experienced death yet. We've not experienced the resurrection. So he must have meant spiritually. You are spiritually raised with Christ. We're not yet physically with Jesus, but here's what Paul says. Spiritually, you are in Jesus. He is spiritually in you. You are spiritually with him. You are, we are spiritually together. The power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead now lives in me. And Paul says this. This is what I want you to hear. Because we've been raised with Christ, we may be in the world, but we should live above the world. We may be in the world, but we should live above the world. That's why he says we should set our hearts on things above where Christ is. Now, what does he mean by things above? Well, that's where Jesus is. We're to set our hearts on him. By the way, that word set literally means to seek. And here's what he was saying. If your heart is set on Jesus, if your heart is seeking Jesus, you won't focus on things below you. You won't focus on things around you. You will focus on the one who is above you. So how do you do that? Well, when you're looking up at a risen Lord in every situation, you're always asking these questions. So, what would you want me to do? What would you want me to say? How would you want me to respond? How would you want me to act? 
Because if Jesus is the Lord of your life, he will be the love of your life. If he's not the love of your life, he's not the Lord of your life. If you want to be what you want to be and do what you ought to do and go where you ought to go, you got to aim high. you got to look up to a risen Lord. But then Paul says something else. We need to look up, he says, to a reigning Lord. He's not just come back from the dead. He's not just alive. He's not just risen. He is a reigning Lord. He said, we ought to be laser focused on Jesus. We look up to a risen Lord, but that raises a question. Okay, so where is Jesus right now? Well, Paul tells us. Since then, you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is. And where is Christ? He is seated at the right hand of God. He's on a throne. Well, who sits on a throne? A king. And what does a king do? A king rules. A king reigns. A king commands. A king controls. And I want to tell you, if there's ever been a day that we ought to rejoice that we can look to a reigning Lord, it ought to be in this day and this time. Because let me tell you one thing I know, no matter, listen, I don't know what's going to happen with the whole COVID deal. I don't know when we're going to find a vaccine or how effective it's going to be. I don't know how this whole economic situation is going to wind up. I don't know who's going to be elected president of the United States. There's a lot of things I don't know. But let me tell you one thing I absolutely know. There is a risen Lord sitting on a throne, reigning. He is in complete control of everything that's going on. Every single thing. You see, nothing is really out of control because he is in total control. Let me tell you what that means. If Jesus is over this world, that means the world is under his feet. Did you hear that? If Jesus is over this world, that means the world is under his feet. And here's why I love this. You know, when things get real tough, a psychologist will say, look within. An opportunist will say, look around. The optimist will say, look ahead. But the wisest will say, look up. Now, I want to be honest. I'm right where you are. This has been a tough year. I'm getting to the age and stage of life. I don't really want to wish my life away. Can I just be honest? Nobody on this planet will be happier when December the 31st gets here than me. I am, will be so glad when this year is over. I don't, I mean, I, I wish I could, I wish God would give me just a touch of dementia where I would never even remember this year again. And I'm, I'm not making fun of it. I'm just being honest with you. I mean, this has just been a tough, tough year. I can tell you in ways I can't even go into. It's been probably the toughest year of my life. And you know what's amazing? Before COVID hit, I mean, things were going great for me. I mean, I mean, everything was just going so good. I just wonder if you can join me. Do you just feel like for the last six months it's been raining on your parade? I mean, do you just feel like that? Let me give you some good news. When it's raining on your parade, Jesus is reigning over your parade. When it's raining on your parade, Jesus is reigning over your parade. Hey, Jesus reigns over disease. It doesn't matter whether it's COVID-19 or cancer. Jesus reigns over disaster, whether it's a shattered economy or a lost child. Jesus reigns over death, no matter how it comes, when it comes, or where it comes. The world spins on its axis 24-7, but it never spins out of control. Because Jesus is in control. That's why, Paul, that's why Paul goes on to say this. Set your minds on things above, 
not on earthly things. He says, listen, set your affection, your heart on Jesus. Heavenly things, not earthly things. He says, look, put your attention on Jesus, on heavenly things, not on earthly things. Because listen, where you put your affection, your heart, where you place your attention, your mind is going to to determine how you live. So here's what Paul is basically telling us right now. Your feet every day are on earth, but your mind ought to be in heaven. Your feet are on earth, but your mind ought to be in heaven. Let, 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 me just, let me just be honest with you. I want to get in the boat with you in case you don't realize this. Some people think, and, and it's, it's, it's easy to do. You put a pastor on a pedestal, you think, yeah, he's got a red phone and he's got a hotline to God. and You know, I, he can do things I can't do and all that kind of stuff. Listen, I'm just like you. I got the same issues. I deal with the same problems. I handle the same anxieties that you do. But let me tell you something. As I was working on this message, this thought hit me. When I look back on my life, this is so true. Every time I get hot and bothered, every time I get anxious or angry, every time I get discouraged or depressed, every time I get broken or bitter, you know what happened every single time? My focus I started aiming too low. I went from looking here to looking there. Instead of focusing on earthly things, I focus on heavenly things, I focus on earthly things. So while I'm in the neighborhood, let me just give you a little secret about earthly things. Okay, you ready? Trophies tarnish. Riches rust. Earnings evaporate. Wealth withers. But heavenly things... They last forever. I read a story. This this is fascinating. There was a psychologist, and he went with a bunch of mountain climbers on an expedition, and he made this fascinating observation. He said there was a distinct connection when they were climbing up the mountain. He said there was this distinct connection between cloud cover and contentment. He said he noticed that when the skies were clear and the peak was clearly in view, he said the climbers were energetic, they were excited, They were enthusiastic. He said, but when the gray clouds got in their way and they could no longer see the peak, they could no longer see the top of the mountain, guess what happened? They got depressed. They got discouraged. They got divisive. They got defeated. The same exact thing happens when we aim high. When we keep our focus, not on things on the earth, but things in heaven. When we keep our focus on Jesus and nobody else, I'm telling you, there will be a joy in your heart. There will be a smile on your face. There will be a bounce in your step. But the moment we lower our focus, the moment we start looking at what is below us or what is around us, you get anxious. You get angry. You get bitter. You get broken, you get defeated, you get discouraged. We look up to a reigning Lord and we remember every day, you know what? Everything's under control and everything's going according to plan. So Paul says, aim high. We look up at a risen Lord. We look up to a reigning Lord. Boy, he says one other thing. This is so good. He says we could look up for a returning Lord. We look up for a returning Lord. Now, he concludes by saying this. We're going to take this one piece at a time. He says, 
for you died. What does that mean? It doesn't mean physically, it means spiritually. When you give your life to Jesus, the old you dies and the new you comes to life. You died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. What does that mean? If you're a follower of Jesus right now, he says your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Here's what he's trying to tell us. The best way, this is, a, this is something you parents ought to teach your kids. This is something your grandparents ought to teach your grandchildren. The best way to live in this world is to stay above this world. The best way to live in this world is to stay above this world. So here's what Paul has said so far. Here's what he said. When you remember you don't belong to this world, you will know how to behave in this world. When you remember you don't belong to this world, you will know how to behave in this world. So here's what Paul said. He said, your life is hidden with Christ in God. Let me tell you what that means. I bet you've never thought about this before. People who do not know Jesus never see your real life. You ever thought about that? Your next door neighbor, if your next door neighbor doesn't know Jesus, they don't see the real life that you live. They don't really see it because the real life is not the life people can see. It's the life people can't see. And that's why unbelievers just don't understand believers because they don't see the power we have within us. They don't see the person that lives within us. They don't see the presence we carry with us because it's all hidden with Christ in God. That's why when an unbeliever becomes a believer, all of a sudden they look at another believer and they say, so that's why you live the way you live. And that's why you act the way you act. And that's why you talk the way you talk. And then Paul closes with a bang. Listen to this. He says, when Christ, boy, what a great statement. When Christ, who is your life, appears. Now, I want you to stop. I want you to listen to those five words. Christ, who is your life life. Not just the support of your life, though he is. Not just the strength of your life, though he is. Not just the supply of your life, though he is. He is your life. You know, so many people today, it breaks my heart, they're searching for identity. And we're, being, we're telling people now more and more, hey, just look within yourself and you'll find out who you are. No, you won't. You look within yourself, you'll find out who you're not. But let me give you a little secret. My identity is not in my sexuality. My identity is not in my feelings. My identity is not in my vocation. My identity has nothing to do with what I do. It has nothing to do with what I feel. My true identity is who I am, and who I am is in Christ. I love my wife more than any husband in this world loves his wife. But my wife is not my life. I love my children more than any father in the world loves their children. I love my grandchildren more than any grandfather in the world loves their grandchildren. But my children and my grandchildren are not my life. I love this church more than any pastor in the world loves their church. But this church is not my life. Jesus is my life. Christ is my life. He is the Lord of my life. He is the love of my life. And because of that, 
I know how my life is ultimately going to end. And this is the way Paul closes. Listen, he says, when Christ who is your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. You know, there are a lot of people out there and they think, let's just be honest. And more and more, this is true. There's a whole culture out there. There's a whole society out there. There's a whole group of people out there, and they're growing faster and faster and faster. They think we're just following a myth. They think we're making a mistake. They think we're wasting our life. They think we're just a bunch of religious fanatics. And I don't mean to sound arrogant or snarky when I say this, but I'm just going to tell you. There's going to come a day and there's going to come a moment when nobody's expecting. Jesus is going to appear and we are going to appear with him. And everybody that's ever lived is going to be forced to say, we were right all along. So I want you to listen. A Christian is not just someone who accepts what Jesus has done for them. It is someone who applies who Jesus is to them. So let me just say this thing. If you remember these things, you'll aim high every day of your life. Our identity is in Christ. He is our life. Our security is is from Christ. My life is hidden with Christ in God. Nobody can take it from me. Our destiny is with Christ. When he appears, we will appear with him in glory. Now, I've got one more fantastic story I want to tell you. But before I do that, before we talk about what Jesus has done for us, I want to remind you of how Jesus lives in us. Every day we ought to be aiming high 24-7. And I want to come back in a moment and share with you this one last story. But there's a song that I want to, in fact, I want you to stand to your feet right now. You're in this room. I want you to sing this song with us. And I want you to listen to this song. And after this song is over, I want to come back. I've got one last story to share with you to wrap this up. But let's sing this song together and let's, let's really bring this message home as our worship team leads us.
time. We'll just give the Lord a hand today. Okay, be seated one last time. Just one quick thing will be done. One of the most beautiful cities I've ever been to, and I encourage you to go sometime, is Rome. I've been there several times. One of the most amazing things you'll ever see are the Roman arches. They're still standing there over thousands of years. There they are. They were the foundation of Rome's architectural mastery. They, they allowed them to build bigger buildings and longer roads and better aqueducts than anyone in history. In fact, if you know this, you're an architect, these, this is actually the ancestor of modern architecture. 
One of the first things you learn in architectural school is how they build those arches that have lasted for thousands of years. So the question is, what was the secret of their stability? How they lasted all this time? Well, the Romans had a very interesting policy. Whenever they finished building an arch, the engineer in charge of the project was asked to stand right under the arch when they took the scaffolding away. So if the arch wasn't built right and it didn't hold, he'd be the first one to know it and the last one to see it. He made sure it was right. I want to leave you with this. If you will get under the arch of the gospel and you will aim high at a risen Lord, at a reigning Lord, and at a returning Lord, you will know one day the whole world will know our aim was true. Let's pray together. With heads bowed and with eyes closed, those of you particularly who are watching right now online, listen to me carefully. Where's your, where are you aiming? If you're aiming at the money, at the title, at the big house, at the 401k, at the big pension, at the car, the clothes, the jewelry, and the stuff. Not only is your aim too low, but you're on a dead-end street that leads to nowhere. I'm asking some of you today to raise up that scope. Aim high. There is a risen reigning, returning Lord who died for your sins, who came back from the grave, who wants to be the Lord of your life, who wants to give you life abundant now and eternal life to come. And if today you would like to admit and be honest and say, man, I've aimed way too low. I want to aim high. I want my life to count not just here but for all eternity. Would you just pray this prayer right now? Would you just say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. I cannot save myself, but I believe you died for my sins. I believe God raised you from the dead. I believe you're alive right now. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me. Forgive me. Become my Lord. Become the love of my life. So today, receiving your gift of forgiveness and eternal life. For the rest of my life, Lord, I'm going to aim high. Every day, I'm going to look up to a risen Lord. I'm going to look up at a reigning Lord. And I'm going to look up for a returning Lord. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me and you meant business, I want you to do something right now. I want you to either get on your iPhone or your cell phone or iPad or whatever, I want you to text crosspointchurch.com forward slash decision or text yes Jesus. That's the easiest way to 56525. That's all you got to do. Text yes Jesus 56525. For some of you, here's what it means to aim high. It means you give your life to Christ. For some of you, you know what it will mean? It means you've been saved, but you've never been biblically baptized. And you're saying, you know what? I want to commit to following Jesus in baptism. For some of you, believe it or not, we've had this almost every week. You're going to be the ones that will say, you know what? I need to be a part of this church. This is where God wants me to be. You can do all of that online today. 
So I want to say, first of all, to all of our volunteers in this room, I want to thank you for being here. What an encouragement you were to me today. I have to be honest, I preached with a little more pep today, just having you in the room. What a blessing it was to have you. I want to say to those of you who are watching online, as you do, continue to watch, continue to worship, continue to give, continue to serve the Lord. We haven't done this in a long time, so in light of the message I preached today, I want to ask all of us who are believers, who's your one? Who's that one person out there that you know their aim is too low? They're going nowhere and they're getting there quick. And we need to help them change their aim to aim high. So God bless you. Thanks for coming. Have a great day.